Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to step four of seven steps to financial freedom. Uh, this Today, we're going to be looking at saving a full three to six month emergency fund. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Lifehouse. And uh, hey, we're just committed to helping you step into financial freedom and all that God has for you financially in your life. And so this is a great step. Um, so let's not skip over this. Let's do this well. And then we're going to move on to even more fun things like investing, uh, building wealth, saving for the future, and leaving a legacy. So step four, saving a full three to six month emergency fund. Um, I want to encourage you during this step, what we're doing is we are getting ready for a rainy day. Who knows that there's rainy days in life? Um, you know, we don't want them, but sometimes there's financial emergencies. Um, sometimes there's job losses and you should be ready for them when they come. And a full emergency fund, this is like an umbrella for a rainy day. You don't always need it, but you need to have it handy because you don't want to get wet and you especially don't want to get soaked. Um, you don't need it often, uh, but when it rains, hey, nothing to worry about. It's an inconvenience, but you just put up that umbrella and you're safe from the rain. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Uh, consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores its provision in summer and gathers its food at harvest time. So what can we learn from the ants about storing up resources for the future? Well, I can see a few things here is that um, the ant is not lazy. Um, you know, sometimes laziness doesn't catch up to us today, but it will catch us up, up to us tomorrow or next month or next year. So let's be wise. Let's be learning. That's why you're part of this course. Um, I can see that it says it has no commander, no overseer. You know, no one's going to follow you up. No one's going to make sure you do this. Now, your connect group leader, your coach, your pastor, they may assist you. They may encourage you. I hope this is encouraging you today, but I'm not looking over your shoulder, making sure that you're doing this. No, you've got to be doing this on your own. And it says it stores up its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. And so the ant knows that there's seasons that come every year. Now, financial crises may not happen every year, um, but the majority of people, I think it's about half of people were experienced some kind of catastrophe financially or some kind of job loss in their life. And so we need to be ready in a good season, in a good time. Let's be saving up surplus so that in a tough season, we are ready for that. Now, depending on where you're watching this, this was filmed. We're in the global pandemic of the coronavirus in 2020 and 2021. Um, and once you hit a pandemic or hit a situation, maybe when there's a job loss, it's too late to begin saving. You have needed to save before that. And during the pandemic, we see that the people who had a good bank balance or people who had savings or people who are investing um, have no issues if they had a job loss. They, they can, okay, I can, I've got a three month you know, fund or I've got six months. I, I can get ready. I can find that new job. I can start a new business. But if you're living month to month or there's too much, there's too much month left over at the end of your money, you're living week to week, pay, you know, paycheck to paycheck, um, when there's a tough time, you won't be ready for that. And have you had a tough season financially in your life? I want to ask you that today. And if you have, what got you out of that tough season? Did you have to borrow money? Did you get an extra job? Um, was it stressful? I want to encourage you to save a three to six month emergency fund. This is money that if we go through a tough time, an emergency, we don't have to go into debt. We don't have to use our credit cards. 
No, we just use our savings and we get ready for that job ahead. Um, we'll never need to go into a debt again once we have this fund. Um, it should be considered like insurance, not saving. So we're not trying to make money on it. We're not trying to invest it. Um, it's more of an insurance policy. And it'll also bring us a lot of peace and help us sleep better at night. And actually, for me and myself, I'm, I'm a pretty peaceful guy. I don't really need a lot of money in the bank um, not to be worried. You know, I'm happy to invest everything that we have or pay off everything on the house. Um, but I tell you what, for any of uh, any wives or my wife, Yuki, or um, if you're married there, usually uh, if, if you're married, there's usually one person who's maybe a little bit carefree, maybe a little bit of a spender. That might be me. Um, but there's also usually one person that's more of a saver um, and probably not a worrier, but a sense of, hey, we need some money in case something happens with the kids or something happens for college or something happens with the house. And I tell you what, even though I might need not need personally need money in the bank to feel peaceful when we do there's a sense of peace over the whole family that hey this is not savings this is not just doing something crazy um this is money that we just have there in time of an emergency and we've been married for over 10 years now and there's been several times where we've had emergencies maybe it's to do with school um maybe it's to do with health we've got four kids maybe it's to do with hospital bills but we've had to use money from that emergency fund and i've been so glad that it's been there so we didn't have that stress uh, on our life. And as we said, um, most people are going to experience a job loss in their career. And it can be challenging to get a new job and keep your confidence if you don't have any money in the bank. And any recruiters would know, or if you're an interviewer, you would know, there's a very different sense um, of a person who's sitting across from you and they don't need the job. They're just going to take the job if it's the best match for them. That's where you want to be. And there's a very sense if there's a person across the table that's very needy and they're sweaty and they're like, if I don't get this job today, I'm going to be living in the park. So I need this job. I'll take whatever salary you have. I'll take it. Um, we don't want to be in that position. We want to be in a strong position. Um, so let's save up a full three to six month emergency fund. Now, how long is this going to take? Well, it depends um, how fast you can save and how excited you are for the next step, which is investing for the future. But this step, I mean, it may take a full six months. It may even take a year because you want to save up to at least three months of your current salary um, for your emergency fund. So do your budget, work out how much can I save? Can I save this month, next month, the month after? Is that enough? Or do I need to keep saving, keep saving and uh, put this into emergency fund? And uh, you can combine this with your short-term emergency fund that we looked at in step number two. Once again, put it in a bank account that you don't have easy access to it. Maybe you don't have a card to it or you don't have online banking transfer to it. Um, this is not your holiday money. This is not the car money. This is emergency money in case something breaks, in case there's a job loss, in case I need to fix something. If there's an emergency bill, a hospital bill, I'm going to look back. This is my cushion. This is my margin. This is me being wise. Proverbs 6. Um, come on, store up our provisions in the summer, ready for a rainy day ready for a winter, gather the food at harvest time. Well, I'll tell you what, um, let's be doing this step. Let's not go ahead until step five, until we get this step done. Once again, if you need any help, uh, talk with your coach, talk with your connect group leader, talk with your pastor if you need. Um, but let's be saving up a full three to six month emergency fund. Even if something happens like a global pandemic or economic downturn, um, you'll be ready for that. And you'll be in a strong position to start a new business or to get a new job with confidence and with peace. 
and your husband or wife will thank you so much for it. Have an awesome week, guys, and we'll see you next week at step five. Have a great week, guys. Bye. Well, welcome to step five of seven steps to financial freedom. And today we are looking at investing for the future. My name's Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at Lifehouse. And uh, we are just so excited and committed to helping you move into a place of financial freedom, doing finances God's way. Step five, investing for the future. This is an exciting step. This is probably the step that you were most excited about uh, when you signed up for this course. Um, What investing is, investing is simply planning for the future. So rather than living month to month or paycheck to paycheck, it is wise to have a plan for the future. Now, in general, wealthy people have a financial plan and poorer people have no plan. You'd think it should be the opposite. You know, poorer people should have a plan and, and a budget and so they can get to a place of wealth. But actually, a plan leads to wealth, and so wealthy people generally keep to a plan. Matthew chapter 25, verse 19, um, Jesus is actually talking about investing, and he says, After a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts, and the man who had received five bags of gold brought another five, and he said, Master, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And Jesus is telling a parable here. Obviously, he's talking about the gifts that we've been given and we've got to multiply them. But he's also talking about a story that was commonplace in the culture that if you've been entrusted with something, if you've been entrusted with five bags of gold, um, that, that God is actually expecting you to double that or to increase that. And here we see, if you're a, a financial person, we can hear that that person actually had a 100% increase. That was a good increase. Now, I don't know how long the master was gone. Maybe he was gone five years. That would mean he'd have 20% increase every year or something similar to that. And yes, God's given us gifts. He's given us talents, but he's also blessed us with those talents to work. And with that work, we're actually earning money. And I believe God has called us to multiply that money rather than just working for the money and putting it in the bank we've got to put that money to work for us we've got to increase what god has given us and the increase is not just for us we know that all throughout the bible that god has called us to tithe and put god first number one but he's also called us to be generous and i believe the most generous people in our city and it's a lot easier to be generous when we have surplus when we have margin that we can be generous with so i want to just ask you a simple question today What are you doing today that's growing your money? How are you growing your money? You know, if you simply are just putting your money under your pillow, um, well, that money is not growing. It may actually, you may actually lose it. Um, If you put your money in a bank account, it may be receiving a small interest rate. um, But in general, the rate of inflation, the as prices go up across the world, that your bank interest rate doesn't actually keep up with inflation. So over time, maybe you had $1,000 in the bank and you gained interest on you know, $100, so it became $1,100 over 10 years or something like that. In 10 years, what you could buy for $1,000 is maybe it takes now $2,000 to buy. And so even though you had a gain, a small gain, the rate of inflation is often more than the deposit at a bank. And so it's our job to actually educate us, ourselves, on different ways to invest and grow what God has blessed us with. 
And I want to start you on an interesting journey. This is a lifelong journey of discovery, I believe, of managing money, of investing, of doing um, wealth God's way that many people actually will never get to you. Um, but it's a journey of discovering how I can multiply this money, how I can be wise. What does God call me to do with the resources that he's given me? So you need to look at the different areas that you'll be investing for. Why are you investing? What are you doing? Are you just saving money for money's sake? Or what, what are we doing? Well, some common areas that we will probably need to have an investment fund for or saving money for the long term are areas that we they're more than five or 10 years away. If it's less than five years, you're probably most best in most cases not to take much risk and just to be saving that money. So if you need something next year or in two years, um, it's recommended maybe you don't risk investing that money, but maybe you should be saving that because you're going to need it in one or two years. But if you're looking at doing things like buying a house, um, depends how old you are. But if you're 20 years old or 25 years old, maybe you're not looking to buy a house until you're 30 or 35 or get married. Um, so we, maybe we could be saving into a fund or investing into a fund that's going to be used to buy a house in the future. Sending kids to college. This is definitely something that we need to be looking at um, for the future. This is something if you have a child, it's going to be about 18 years away or 20 years away. And so whether they go to college or not, maybe there's different courses or things they do at that time. It'd be good to leave them with a, a sending away gift or, a, or a providing for their college or paying for something or just being a blessing to them. And so that's probably something we need to be investing towards. Um, retirement. This is definitely something, the, probably the main thing that we need to be investing towards. In most countries, that's when you're about 65 years old. So you can start when you're about 20. And for 45 years, you can be investing, 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 investing. And we're going to see the math in just a moment. Um, but it's amazing how much that investment can grow to in over 45 years. And studies show that when you give a name to your savings or to investments, when you actually have a vision behind it, you're much more likely to stick to what you decided. So it's important to put things in a different bucket. Um, one common question is, should I save or should I invest? Um, in general, uh, this is what Dave Ramsey recommends as well is that if you don't use the money for five years or longer, investing is going to give you a greater return than a savings account. And just a simple math on this is that over time, the stock market um, or just investments in general, over about five years, there's a very high likelihood that there's an increase in that investment over five years. But less than five years, it can be more volatile, meaning some years are up and some years are down. And if you're going to need the money next year, don't risk your money this year because maybe there's a downturn in the market or a downturn across the world economically, and you may have less money next year than when you started with. But over five years or longer, um, in general, you'll do well with investing. So what types of investments are there? Well, from the church perspective, uh, we're not going to give you advice into what you should do or what you shouldn't do, but we can have a look at different types of investments. And hopefully this should trigger a little bit of uh, interest on your side that you can look into this. So if you're investing in the long term and, and assuming an average amount of risk, the most common forms of investing um, are called mutual funds. Um, these are collections of stocks up to 500 or so companies that are diversified across different areas with different visions. Um, mutual funds, you can look at that. I recommend looking at Dave Ramsey's advice on that as a financial advisor and uh, looking into this. 
Um, more riskier forms of investment are something called individual stocks. This is where you buy a stock of a particular company. This may have great gains, but it also can have great loss if the company or the CEO doesn't do well. Um, even more conservative forms of investing are bonds or bank deposits. These are pretty much guaranteed rates for very little risk, but also very little reward, usually in the area of just a few percentage points. So other in types of investing are also starting a business or buying a business, um, buying real estate. These are all forms of investing. Other crazy forms of investing, maybe more riskier, things like um, cryptocurrency or going to going to Las Vegas and betting everything at the casino. Um, <laughs> these are all very risky. 50-50 chance. Do I make money? Do I not make money? I, I would recommend stay away from extremely risky forms of investing. If you do invest in stocks or anything like that, make sure you're very educated. Um, me personally, I don't want to get involved in that. I, don't, I want to be able to sleep at night. I don't want to wake up thinking, what's the stock market doing today? Mutual forms, uh, uh, mutual funds are pretty much in the middle. They give a general rate of return, which we're going to look at um, in a moment, um, but still with some risk and other forms of investing like bonds or bank deposits or uh, real estate are obviously safer, um, but maybe a lower return. So whatever you choose to do, do your own homework. So let's have a quick look at mutual funds because this is what Dave Ramsey recommends for most people. This is what most people's retirement accounts contain, mutual funds. So you need to understand what a mutual fund is. The biggest, most common mutual fund in the world is called the S&P 500. It's uh, basically the top 500 companies in the world or across the United States. And it's returned an average of 11 to 12% return per year for the last 40 years. So as you can see, pretty stable in general, returns 11 to 12% per year on average over five years or longer. So you need to be aware that in any given year, it may go down or it may go up quite a lot. Um, and Dave Ramsey recommends to diversify your mutual funds into four categories, one being large cap, kind of more solid traditional companies, one being media medium cap, like the S&P 500 index, something like that, a group of middle level, one being small cap. Um, these are companies that maybe are public companies, but they're still growing companies and uh, international funds. So you have exposure to the whole world as well. So I would recommend Google Dave Ramsey and mutual funds if you're interested in getting educated in that area. Moving on, let's have a look at investment accounts. So each country actually has incentivize tax-free accounts for long-term investing that you can use to avoid taxes. Now, of course, you can just go, uh, you can Google online, you know, and find a, an investment uh, company or investment broker um, that you can invest with in a general investment account. But usually, whatever the gain is, so if you gain 20% or if you gain 50%, um, you're going to have to pay tax on that gain when you take the money out. However, in each country usually has accounts that are tax-free, meaning if you leave the money in for a certain amount of time and you don't take it out, that it is actually not taxed. Now, uh, in America, this is probably most common, there are types of tax-free investment accounts for retirement. In Australia, where I'm from, there's also this form of account. In Japan, where I live, there's also this form of account. Basically, this means 
You can put money into your retirement account. There's no tax on this retirement account or there's less tax on this retirement account, but you cannot take the money out until you're 65 years old. So the government wants to incentivize you to save and to invest and to build wealth yourself because that means less burden for them. But to do this, they also want to put a limit that you can't take this money out until you're 65 years old. So have a look at that. That's a 401k uh, in America or a Roth IRA or a superannuation fund. Um, or in Japan, that's actually called an IDECO account. So have a look at that. Have a look at your country as well. Also, um, there are different things that are short-term investment accounts. Uh, we have this here in Japan. America also has it. Your country, once again, have a look at this. This is a short-term incentive by the government to say, hey, for the next five years, if you use this particular account, you can choose the mutual funds, you can choose the stocks, um, but there's not going to be any taxes um, associated for the next five years, for five years only. So you can make the use of that. This is also in Europe. In the UK, they have this uh, form of account. It's called a NISA account. They also have the same type of NISA account, um, usually for students. This is the same concept as retirement account, but it's your money that you're saving for your kids. And they can't take the money out though until they're 18 years old. So there's no taxes on the gains. But once again, there's a time limit on it. They cannot take the money out until they're 18 years old. So you can make the most of that because the taxes will add up because as you're gaining money in the future, when you take that money out, um, you will have to pay taxes on all the money that it's accrued or all the gains um, and retirement accounts. So usually only at 60 years old, um, but there's tax-free retirement investing. Once again, do your homework, have a look at your country and Google either retirement account or college accounts, investment accounts, um, and have a look in your country, which applies for you. But even if there isn't any tax-free accounts that apply to you, um, still use a standard securities account, which means you can add money anytime, withdraw money anytime, and but you will need to pay capital gains tax, usually on the gain, which is not tax on your own money. It's just tax on the amount that's increased. So if you invested $10,000 and that grew to $20,000 over time, you had a gain of $10,000. So usually you'd have to pay something like 20% tax on the gain. So it is a tax, but it's actually only a tax on the gain. So you don't need to feel too bad about that because you actually did make money. Awesome. Well, let's have a look at buying a house. So this is another form of investment. Of course, some people are going to agree. Some people are going to be renters. Some people are going to be buyers. Some people are going to be big into real estate. That's okay. You can disagree. I've got the microphone today. Um, in general, from what I've seen, from what other people have seen, from what wealthy people do, in general, uh, it's a good thing to buy a house if you're going to be living in that area for at least two years or more. Um, so have a look at your area. Are you going to be there long term? You don't want to be buying and selling a house um, all the time because oftentimes you'll lose money because there are fees associated with buying a house. And when you buy a house, it's good to at least have 5% and preferably 10% or more, 20% would be awesome, of a down payment to get the best interest rates for your home loan. So once again, this is up to you. There's no judgment there if you have 0% down or 5% down or 10% down. Um, if you can buy a house and you've, you've got your full three to six month emergency fund, um, save up what you need, talk with the bank, talk with the real estate agent, and you can buy a house. But it's good to have a deposit down because if you have a deposit down, 
you can get a good interest rate from the bank. Oftentimes they may give you money based on a 0% down type of loan, but the interest rate will be very high. So you do wanna have some money saved up um, to buy a house. And don't buy a house if you have other debt, because what happens um, is your debt moves into your spare bedroom and uh, something goes wrong, maybe the air conditioner breaks, maybe the heating breaks or something, something will happen. Um, and so I really wanna encourage you um, don't buy a house if you have other debt. Pay off university loan first. Get a three, full three to six month emergency fund ready, especially when you own a house. Um, there's things that you have to pay. Uh, if something breaks, it's actually yours, so you have to pay it. If you rent, usually the owner would fix it, but when it's yours, you have to pay for those repairs or pay for those taxes. Retirement. So how much should you be saving for retirement? Well, a good rule of thumb um, is to invest about 15% of your income for the future when you won't work. Um, and so this may be a lot at the start. I would recommend looking at your budget. Can I save 10%? Can I save 15%? Invest that for the future time when I'm not working. Now, you may say, but I don't need that much. Well, it's gonna be good to get to a place where you could retire early um, if you like. And what I mean by retire, I don't mean like just quit your job and do nothing. I mean, you have all the options that you want. Maybe you wanted to start that side business. Maybe you wanted to travel. Maybe you wanted to, to give some volunteer time at church or at another organization. It's good to be in a place where, well, actually, I don't need this income, but I choose to do what I choose to do out of love, out of my passion area. And for retirement, in simple math here, you have needed to save about 10 to 12 times your desired income at retirement. Um, why do we recommend saving 10 to 12, 12 times your income or investing up to 10 to 12 times your income? Well, because when you retire, you'll have all this money um, in the bank or in your investment fund. And every year you can withdraw about six to 8% from that safely. That still is going to leave about 4% for that fund to continue to grow. And assuming that maybe 2% inflation per year, uh, it's still going to continue to grow at a rate of 2% per year. So what you don't want to do is you don't want to save up a whole lot of money and then just start using that money, using that money, using that money until you have nothing left. Because oftentimes if you do that, when you're 65 and you save up your money, okay, I've got money for another 20 years or 30 years. What happens if you get to 95 and you're still alive? Are you going to live on nothing? No, what we want to do is have, we want to have, this big surplus, this big amount of money in the bank that we're not touching it, but we're living off the interest that it generates. So if you have 10 to 12 times your income or your desired income, you can receive 8% from that and 4% is gonna continue to be invested. It's gonna continue to grow and also allowing 2% inflation, um, you're gonna have a growth rate of 2% per year. And hey, when you do pass away, well, you have an, a, a large amount of money that you can pass on as an inheritance to your children and to your children's children. So take care of your future. If the government helps with a pension, if the government also has a program, let's see this as a bonus, but not as what we're relying on um, for our future. And here in Japan, the government does have a pension. That's gonna be awesome. That is a bonus, but I'm not relying on that. I also wanna be independently financially secure as well for the sake of um, my family and our family's family. Awesome, well, retirement investment goals. Let's get into a bit of math here today if you like this type of thing. So here's the amazing thing is 
Um, I think it's Einstein that said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Um, compound interest means that you gain interest in one year and then next year the interest is calculated not just on the original amount but on the original amount plus the interest gained. And so it turns into this large snowball and it's actually really, really, really powerful. In the same way, when you have an interest rate on a debt, it's really, really, really powerful in the opposite way because it, you go further and further into debt faster and faster. But here's just some simple math. Um, for example, if you invest $100 each month into a mutual funds returning 12% per year in 40 years, that will become more than $1 million. So if you want to become a millionaire from the age of 20 to the age of 60, if you invest $100 into a standard uh, S&P 500 mutual fund every year for 40 years, um, you would have over $1 million invested at that point at the age of 60. I don't know about you, but that's probably a pretty good place to be in when you're 60 years old. And $100 a month, most people could find that amount of money. Maybe that's stop going to Starbucks every week for a few weeks uh, for you know each month, or maybe that's eating uh, at home an extra night a week, or maybe that's doing an extra job or doing a part-time job. That's $100. Um, here's the biggest thing. Here's the craziest thing. If you simply just save that amount without investing, just saving $100 a month for 40 years, the total, if you just saved it, would be $48,000. I'll let that sink in. If you just save money for 40 years, you'll have $48,000. If you invest that same amount of money into a mutual fund that Dave Ramsey recommends, you will have over $1 million. You can see that there's a large power in compound interest over time. And the earlier you begin investing, the longer time it has to compound. So you might want to start today. Let's start today if you're ready for step five. Uh, if you're not ready for step five, Let's go back, let's get a budget, uh, let's save an emergency fund, let's get out of debt, um, and then let's look at this step. Um, and the last thing we'll look at in this step is kids' college. So kids' college is expensive, it's getting more expensive. Whether or not your kids go to college in 20 years, we don't know, but it's a good idea to start saving for their future when kids are born. So what you can do is you can calculate how much you'll need and you can start investing to reach that goal. So. For example, if you wanted to get to a point of, of saving $70,000 for your children in 20 years, which seems like a lot of money, although college these days is very expensive and we're talking about 20 years away, um, you'll in, need to invest $200 a month for five years and then you just let it grow for another 13 years and you'll hit that $70,000 number. Or you can invest $100 every month for 18 years and you'll hit $70,000. So you can do the maths on that. Remember, you probably want to use an interest rate like 10% or 12%, something in that, that range. Um, that's a, a mutual fund investment. But once again, um, do the research yourself for investments. We don't give any investment advice. Have a look at Dave Ramsey's um, encouragement around investing, though. It's very good, very simple, very clear. And uh, I think you can learn a lot from that as well. So investing, this is really exciting. There's a bit of homework on your side. Um, have a discussion with your connect group. Have a discussion with your coach. Uh, talk with your pastor if you need advice around this. Uh, but come on, 
Let's be doing what Jesus says. Let's be increasing the gifts, increasing the finance that God has given us, not just for ourselves, but for our family, our family's family, uh, to be generous, to build the church, and uh, to see many people come to know God is our end goal. So have a great week. Enjoy this step. Lots of information there. And uh, have a look at that. So we'll see you next week for step six. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you later.